thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? You doing well? Well, it's good to see you. As Pastor Ben said, my name is J.R. Ruiz, and uh, actually grew up in uh, Colorado City, Texas. Anybody know where Colorado City, Texas is? Yeah. Sea City Wolves, baby. Uh, and now I live in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where we have the, the UNM Lobos. Kind of just went Spanish with it. Everyone's a Lobo. So, so uh, I bring you greetings from your sister church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, from the 505, from the Breaking Bad. Walter sends his best. He's alive. Uh, it's good to be here with you guys. Uh, Sylvia and I have been looking forward to spending some time with you. Let me introduce to you my bride of 39 years. This is my bride, Sylvia, 39 years. Yeah, we got married when we were 12. Uh, no, actually, I was 18 and she was 16. And so we have three adult children. Uh, all three of our children are in ministry uh, somewhere doing what God has called them to do. We have one grandson, Gideon Lee. He's 20 months old, and uh, that little guy, he gets anything he wants from his Didi and his Mimi. And uh, he's about to get some competition in March. He's got a sister coming. Uh, Moriah Joy will arrive in March, and so we're really excited about uh, having another grandbaby. And so here's what I've learned about grandkids. They were worth everything I put up with my kids, just to be, be able to, uh, to have some grandbabies. But uh, good to be here with you guys. Um, I, have a, I have a gift for somebody. I have, uh, in New Mexico, we have the world's largest balloon fiesta in October. And so we just had it, uh, I think this year there was over 800 hot air balloons that, that went up at one time. And so we have people from all over the world actually come and be a part of that. Uh, the first year that we were there, we were like, why would you want to go and watch hot air balloons go up in the air? What's the fun in that? So we didn't go year one, we went to year two and we absolutely loved it. And so I have a New Mexico hot air balloon t-shirt for somebody. And so I'm going to ask a question. The first person that stands up and gives the answer gets the t-shirt. Are you guys ready? You ready? All right. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, there is a river that runs through our city. What is the name of it? Colorado River? No. Close. Colorado River is... No. The Rio Grande, yes! There you go. We catch that for her. It's not very grand right now, but it is the Rio Grande. Little quick story about the uh, about the Rio Grande. Uh, Sylvia and I, when we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, we wanted to do something that was unique to us and special to us, and so we went on a Bishop T.D. Jakes cruise for our 25th wedding anniversary, and uh, so it was it was amazing. Uh, if you guys don't know, my wife sings and. So she, uh, they, they closed everything down that, that normally is on the cruise, but they left open some things. And they had like this karaoke bar uh, open. And so Sylvia got in there and sang, and she had a great audience. But one of the things I got to, to do is I got to meet the bishop, and uh, he, he was having a book signing. And so I went up to, uh, I got in line with everybody else, and I finally get to it. And I, I, I stood out a little bit, you know, based on the clientele that were on the cruise. And so he looked at me, and he goes, where are you from? And I said, Albuquerque, New Mexico. He said, Albuquerque, New Mexico. What is the river that runs through that city? I said, it's called the Rio Grande. He goes, 
the Rio Grande. He said, I got many a sermon flying over that river. When I got done, I told Sylvia, I crossed that stinking river every day and I ain't got no sermon. So, uh, but we love our city. We love what we're doing, um, what God has called us to do. Um, I really felt like it was God, absolutely God's plan for me to come and speak to you at this season of your life as a church, as a people. Um, God never does anything by coincidence. If you're here, if this is your first time here, God wanted you here to hear a guest speaker. If, uh, if this is where God has called you, this is the season that God wants you to hear this. One of the main reasons is because what you're doing, Sylvia and I and a group of people went through the same thing. We moved in October of 2000 to Albuquerque, New Mexico from Midland. That's where I met your pastor, uh, Pastor Ben. When Sylvia and I knew him, he was in the ninth grade. And so, uh, you know, David, his parents and I and Sylvia, we were friends. And so, still our friends, except for your mom. She makes me mad. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he's like, she makes me mad too. No. Um, so we moved, we moved in October of 2000. And then on Easter Sunday, 2001, we started the church. Um, we started in a movie theater, just like you are right now. And so Sylvia and I were talking about some of the memories that we have from starting, like the main thing was the smell of popcorn. I mean, come on, how many of you, Sylvia said, I was thinking about going and getting some popcorn and, and bringing it in here. Um, have, have some memories, I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys, but this happened to us often. Uh, before I finished speaking, and we were at the Cottonwood Mall Theater, before I finished speaking, the announcements would come on, and they start doing announcements, and I'm like, that's not God, everybody. <laughs> so uh, the, the one that was the most challenging is, and I didn't notice if you guys have it here, but in theaters that we used, there was always, right as you entered, there was a, the, the, uh, the poster board of what was going to be showing inside the theater, and man, you never knew what was going to be on there. You know, like, can we just like cover that? Because them people, they need some clothes, and we don't, that's not the kind of people we want in the church, or at least not yet, and so... Um, but anyway, you, you have a challenge, but let me tell you something. The, challenge that you, the challenges that you have are absolutely God's plan for your life. Absolutely God's plan for your life. When Sylvia and I, when we moved and we four families went with us, they sold homes and went with us to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Here's what we knew, is that God had given us a vision for that city. God had given us a vision to start a church, to plant a church that would make an impact. And, you know, over the, 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 the years and over the, especially over the last couple of weeks, few weeks, I'm talking to Pastor Ben, um, I love the vision that God has given Luminous Church. What is your vision? Who can declare your vision to me? To see Jesus clearly. What an amazing vision to help people to see Jesus clearly. If there was ever a time when the world needed to put their eyes on Jesus and make him their focus and make him the reason that they're living, it's today. It's now. Isn't that right? We live in a very challenging time. We live in some seasons. We live in a season that, honestly, as a 58-year-old, I would have never thought I would have seen some of the things that I've seen happen in the last two, three years, and, and even some of the things that we're seeing happening in the last two, three weeks. It's just amazing what's happening. Kind of shocking a little bit. But here's what does not change, everybody, and that is that Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He's still in charge. He's still, he's still building his church. Jesus said this about his church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so the church still is God's number one A plan. He doesn't have a B plan. It's still the church. 
That means this, everybody, that it's God's plan for Luminous Church to do what you're doing right now. People's lives are being changed and transformed because you are here. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Sylvia and I are grateful, Lord, that you would allow us to come and, and just spend some time with, with your people, with this great people. Lord, I pray, Father, that as I speak, Lord, that you would use my words to speak to your people, including myself. God, I thank you for the power of your word. It is alive. It's living. And I thank you, Father, that your word has the power to mold us and shape us and make us into the image of your son. And so, Father, right now, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you give every one of us in this room an ear to hear what your spirit is saying. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. I like for people to talk to me. At my church, I'm trying to disciple to teach my church into doing two things. You know, the Bible says that when Ezra, when they finally found the, the when they got the law back into the into God's people's hands, the Bible says that any time that Ezra would get up and he would open the Bible, it says that God's people cheered. Okay, I think it was a little bit better than that. You guys got more excited about the Cowboys than you did. I mean, look, Tony Roma's going to play one play and then he's done. So, yes, hallelujah. So I'm trying to teach my church to get excited about the word of God because this is God about to speak for us. And the other thing, I'm trying to make sure that my church speaks back to me and they encourage me and, and they, uh, they kind of just pull the message uh, from God uh, out of the person that's speaking. And so, amen, praise the Lord. Orale, come on, and say, it doesn't matter. Just just talk back to me. Amen? Watch out. Some of the college kids that were with me a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago. So I want to talk to you today about two things that I think are very important for Luminous Church and for you as individuals and you as families to hear today. I want to talk to you about vision and faith. Talk to you about vision and faith. Vision is so important, everybody. I mean, you think about the, the, you know, the different businesses, the successful businesses, they all started with somebody getting a vision. Somebody being in a garage and getting a vision for, for, for putting together some computer company, and now they're multi-billionaires. So everybody started with a vision. You know, I think about the, the, the small things that we see and we go, that's insignificant. But when you kind of extrapolate that, you go, wow, that was a vision that made somebody a lot of money. I saw one of those today, or I was reminded of one of those today. Now, we stopped at Starbucks, and, uh, you know, I mean, Starbucks, you know, we like Starbucks, but we'll drink other coffee. Uh, but, you know, they have these little, these little sticks, you know, that they put in the little hole so that the coffee won't spill. How many of you remember going to Starbucks before they got the little sticks? Yeah, and so you'd get in the car. I don't know what you guys would do, but I would drive with my finger on the little hole. You know, and every now and then it's splashing, but, I, but you know, you didn't let it go to waste, right? But think about this. Somebody was sitting there, maybe like me, they were driving, they were like, I, and they thought, you know, we need to come up with something. And somebody had a vision to put a little stick there. And now, I don't know who the person is, but I'm sure they're sitting there with a nice check coming their way. You see, things begin to take place and take shape when people get a vision. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a vision for your life? Do you have a vision for God's best for your life? You see, here's the thing about God and a vision, is that a vision is for something that is yet to come. But you, as we sang today, you serve a good, good father. He's a good, good father. It doesn't matter how good you think you are to your kids, your heavenly father is so much better than you. 
And your good, good father, Jesus said this, speaking about the Holy Spirit and speaking about your good, good father. He says, if you being earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, he said, how much more your heavenly father in heaven? And so you serve a good, good father. So whatever God has coming in store for you, whatever is in the future for you, you have got to get a vision for it. And you got to get a vision to where you understand that what is coming is good. It's good. Now, it might not be what you want, but it's what you need. You see, because there is a difference between a vision from God and a fantasy that we develop in our brains. A fantasy of what we think it ought to be. Sylvia and I have been married for 39 years, but it doesn't mean that we've had 39 blissful years. She's a challenge. <laughs> I'm a challenge. But listen, we got a vision for our marriage the first five years of our marriage, I was not a Christ follower. In fact, I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I verbally and physically abused her. I did not have a vision for our marriage. Sylvia gave her life to the Lord when she was 14 at a Billy Graham crusade. So unbeknownst to me, she had a vision, so she didn't give up on us. But then when, we got, when, we got, when I got born again and she gave her life, she rededicated her life to Christ in 1981, we started talking about what the future looked like. And we got a vision for our marriage. And one of the things that we said was that we were never going to allow these words to come out of our mouth. I'm leaving you and I want a divorce. And over the last you know, 34 years, those words have never come out of our mouth. Have we been challenged? Has it been difficult? Absolutely, it's been difficult. But when you get a vision from God, then you have something that God is going to partner with you to make sure you get there. And so if the vision it does not align with this word, can I just tell you, it's not God's vision. It's your vision. So you got to get a vision for your life. you got to get a vision for your marriage. And listen, if you're in this room and you've gone through a divorce, our daughter has gone through a divorce. Listen, the Bible says that God hates divorce, but he loves people. Amen. He's a redeeming God. you got to get a vision for your kids. You've got to get a vision for your finances. You know, I talk to my church all the time, but do you have a, a God-designed vision for your kids and for your finances? Well, what does that look like? Well, the Bible gives us a vision for our kids. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when they are old, they'll not depart from it. This is it. This is the vision. The Bible has a vision for our finances. What does it look like? Bring 10% into the storehouse that there might be meat in my house, says the Lord. See if I'm not pouring out a blessing on you so big you can't contain some people say, well, that's Old Testament, J.R. Listen, yeah, it is Old Testament, but yet Jesus over in the New Testament in Matthew 23, 23, he's talking about tithing. He says, you should do that, but not forget the weightier measures of the law, which is justice and mercy and loving people. So you've got to get a God-given vision. And so the vision that God gives to a church, he does it this way. God chooses a, a man to, and, and, or, and a woman, if they're married, he chooses them to go start a church. And God gives the vision to that person. Right. You see, when we went to Albuquerque, we took five families with us. But listen, it was the vision God gave it to me. Does that, what does that do? Does that make me like somebody special? No, no, no. Listen, what it makes me, it makes me the person responsible to make sure that the church we're building is living up to the vision that God gave. So God gave Pastor Ben and Brandy a vision to come here. And the vision that he gave was that they would build a church, that you would be a church that would help people see Jesus clearly. So you got to get a vision. you got to see what God has in store for you. It's so important. So I'm going to be in, in Habakkuk, in chapter 2 of Habakkuk. Let me give you a little back, backdrop to this story, to this, to this moment in history. 
God chose Habakkuk to be a prophet, to be a spokesperson for him. At the time where God's people not only were being challenged, but at a time where God's people were absolutely compromising their, their relationship with God. And so God says, okay, I've tried different things to get my people to be obedient to my vision. So this is what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to use the Babylonians to take them into captivity, and they're going to be in captivity, and in captivity is where they're going to come back to me wholeheartedly when they see my hand move on their behalf. And so God gives this vision to Habakkuk. And so Habakkuk, we see in the first two chapters, he's having this dialogue with God, and we get kind of just get to, to jump in or to listen to this conversation. And when you see it, when you read it, it's kind of like he's going, um, God, is there a plan B? Because because the Babylonians taking your people into captivity. But then he gets to chapter 2, and he starts talking about this vision. And he says this in chapter 2, verse 2. And I'm reading from the New King James Translation. He says, he says, write the vision. This is God speaking through the prophet. And make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Do you see that? That the vision is yet for an appointed time. What you're experiencing right now is just part of the vision. There's still more to come. But you got to get a picture from God as to what that looks like. You got to ask God, and then God will use your pastor, he'll use your leaders to help you point that out. I, listen, you can probably tell by looking at me, I like food. I learned a, I learned a new word. Uh, last summer, I was like, oh my God, I've been this my whole life and I didn't know it. Somebody said, use this word. And I go, what is it? They said, they use the word foodie. And, and I said, well, what's a foodie? And they explained it to me. And I said, you know what? That's me because when I'm having breakfast, I'm planning lunch. So I'm a foodie. But listen, when I go to a, when I go to a restaurant, some people like to, those of you who really like, really like to cook, you read all the ingredients and you're like all interested in that. Listen, show me a picture. I mean, uh, my favorite place to go is to Red Robin. Red Robin. Yes. Because they, one of the things is they give you like this, this thing. It's got like pictures of the burgers. And if you're like me, you like bacon on anything. And so I looked at that, you know, that I mean, I'm getting like, I'm getting hungry now, Pastor Ben. And so I, I look at that and I go, man, I want this. And all I see is I see bacon, I see an egg on top of that patty, I see cheese on it, and I want that. And so I order because I'm thinking about what that bad boy is going to look on my plate. And so if you're blessed enough to be sitting where you can see the weight person bringing you your burger, I mean, your vision is coming to fruition. You're seeing that thing like, here comes my burger. What do you do? You start moving stuff out of the way to make room for the vision. It's like, get out of the way because here comes my fruition of my vision. When you get a picture of a marriage that honors God, when you get a picture of raising kids that honor God and serve his purposes, when you get a vision for being debt-free, when you get a vision for having a church that lives to see Jesus more clearly, and you begin to see it come to pass day in, week out, month after month, year after year, every time you see another part of it, another piece of it that you can see, what you do is you remove all those things that were obstacles, all those things that were frustrating you, all those challenges. You go, you know what? This challenge was worth it so that we could get that, which God is now bringing into our life. I mean, I've had so many challenges as a church planter. I remember one year we had this, 
this guy, he started coming to our church and he really felt like God, he actually told me he felt like God sent him into my life to disciple me. I thought, that's interesting because God didn't tell me that. And so he took me out to get a cup of coffee and he sits down with me and he's got a list of everything I was doing wrong. And he says, you know, I was involved in ministry in, in the east, you know, on the eastern border, and I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did that, and, and I, this is the things that you need to do. And I said, I said, look, I said, man, I thank you so much for, for your amazing insight. Um, I said, but um, I got to ask you a question. I said, you, you, you need to decide, are you okay with the vision that God has given me for this church? And if you're not good with that, then you need to do one of two things. You need to go find a church that fits what you feel like God is calling you to do, or you need to go start a church with that vision. He got so mad at me. I mean, we left. He was yelling at me across the parking lot at Starbucks. And so the very next Sunday was Easter Sunday, and this dude shows up at church, but he doesn't come in. He's standing outside handing out I was doing a series on Easter Sunday called CSI, The Empty Tomb. He shows up and he's got this pamphlet that says, CSI, What Really Lies Beneath Family Church. And he's got all these statements that I made out of context. He's saying that I was leading a cult, that Sylvia was manipulating people, and that I was my training was at a Toastmaster. I mean, it was just crazy. Well, listen, that was, that was very challenging. Matter of fact, I went outside when somebody told me he's out there. I went out. You know, I almost laid hands and feet on him, but, you know, the <laughs> wisdom prevailed and my elders prevailed. <laughs> but you know what? Let me tell you something. As challenging as, that, challenging as that was, that helped me to be who I am today. Because Romans 8.28 says, all things, yeah. not some things, but all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so those things have caused and formed who I am, who our church is. But it's with every single day you meet those challenges and you go, listen, whatever today looks like, it's good. But God has something that's going to advance. Because here's the thing about God's vision. Number one, it's, it comes from revelation from God. And number two, it's progressive. It's always moving forward. God has called us from glory to glory. And so in your own personal life, you need to be a more mature follower of Christ than you were last week, than you were last month. If, if you're here today and you've been a Christ follower for 10 years or five years, and all you know is John 3, 16, you need to progress in your walk with God. If you're here and you're still struggling with some of those things, some of the disciplines in your prayer life, in your devotional life, in your leading people to Christ, you need to progress because that's the revelation that God gives us through, through a vision. But we need to progress and move forward. Can I get an amen? amen. And so Habakkuk says, he says, it's for a, a time, for an appointed time. It's interesting because the, the word for time there is the equivalent of the New Testament, chronos, where we get chronological time. There's, there's certain seasons that God has already designed for you. They're already waiting there for you. You just got to get there. Say, get there. Get there. You just got to get there. I mean, I remember we, we met in six different places before we got a permanent place. We were portable, setting up and tearing down for nine years. Pastor Ben, I'm not speaking that over you. For nine years, we did that. We were in three schools and two theaters and in my house. We started in my house with 12 people. You'll tell you what I did not see. I didn't see where I am today. 
When we had on Easter Sunday, 2001, when we had our first service, we had 35 people coming to church at the time. It was in a theater. We had somebody bless our ministry and they gave us some money and we did a, an amazing mail out. And we were like, oh, I told the people, I said, hey, listen, Easter Sunday's coming. This city has been waiting for us. I mean, they're going to come in. I mean, the people are going to, guys, we just need to be ready for the crowds because the brown bishop has arrived. And these people are so excited to see and listen to what he has to say. And so we did all the mail out. We gave away, we went to a CZ's Pizza, did an outreach. We gave away pizza. We gave away bicycles. And we went down neighborhoods and handed out cards and, and handed out cards. And we, had, we did door hangers. I mean, we were ready for the crowd. On Easter Sunday, we had one guest. One. And then he didn't come back the next Sunday. That Easter Sunday, somebody can tell you, I went home. I didn't even change with my shoes on. I got in bed, just pulled the covers. Oh, Lord, what did I do? The reason is because I didn't see what God saw. I didn't see that in 2016, I was going to be pastoring a church of 400 people. I didn't see that. I didn't see that in 2010, God was going to bless us with the building where the landlord paid for 400,000, 90% of the buildup. I didn't see that, but God did. And when God was saying to me, he was saying, "JR, wait for it. Wait for it, because I gave you that vision. Wait for it, and do not give up on it. He says, for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Verse 4, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. You see, when you get this vision, there's two things that got to be in place in order for the vision, for you to wait for the vision, to be part of the vision. Number one, he says, the just shall live by faith. What does that mean? That means, first of all, you got to be in right standing with God. If you're in this room and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, you're not in the right place, in the right standing with God for you to see God's vision come place, come to place in your, in your life. The very first place where you start is you give your life to Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. If you're in this room and Jesus is not your Savior, you say, what does that mean? That means if you're not sure if you leave planet Earth today that you'll go be with God forever, the Bible says you can be sure. The Bible says that if you repent, that simply means that you go in this direction and you do a 180 and you start going this direction and you stop serving sin and yourself and you choose to serve Jesus Christ your Savior. The Bible says that's called justification. In other words, the blood of Jesus Christ, when he see, when God sees you, he doesn't see your messed up life. He sees the blood of his son. And your sins are forgiven. Your sins are washed away. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you are a brand new creation. Amen? And so you got to be in right standing with God. And listen, that's a daily thing. Say daily. daily. Because John tells us when you sin, not if, but when you sin, he says, Confess your sins to him, and he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. You see, nothing will separate you from God's very best except for sin. And so he says the just, those who are in right standing with God, listen, and then in a spiritual family and in a natural family, and you got to be in right standing with the people that you're doing life with. You see, because these relationships are, are modeled because of the, with this relationship. Your Bible says, how can you say you love God if you don't love the person that's standing in front of you? And so you got to be in right standing because your Bible says that where people dwell together in unity, there God commands the blessing. Yeah. So when you're united with the vision, you go, okay, here's what we know. 
God gave our pastor the vision for this house. And we're going to unite with that vision. For us at Family Church, our vision is we exist to honor God and make disciples. Now, there's different ways that the vision is lived out. Like you, we have small groups. We have all these different things. But the vision doesn't change. And so you, we have to be in unity together because there God commands the blessing. And there's nobody that hates the vision of this house more than the devil. Nobody hates the vision. He doesn't want you to cause Jesus to be seen clearly. In fact, what he would have you to do is for you to do things that will that'll make, make it cloudy where people are going, that's what it means to be a Christ follower? That, I, don't, no, I don't want any part of that. I mean, you see it all the time on TV. You're going, people are going, I don't think I want that. But when we're in unity, your Bible says that God commands the blessing. And so you have, to, you have to be justified. Secondly, it says the just, those who are in right standing with God and are living in unity, will live by faith. Will live by faith. It's amazing the, how faith is such an important key in living out the vision that God has given you for your life, the vision that God has given you for your family, and the vision that God has given to this church. When I was... Uh, when I was studying for this, uh, I went to a part of scripture. I, I did. Uh, I used this software called Lagos, and I went to and I did a search on on faith. And it was interesting where the search took me. I thought, well, this is not anything I've ever looked at as it pertains to faith to live out a vision. And that was Luke chapter seventeen. It was. I was. I was reading through, and I'm going, why? Why is this coming up? Let me give you a backdrop to this. Um, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he's basically painting a vision for them on what it means to be the church, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so they, he gets to this moment and he starts teaching them to be different than the religious people. And it says this in Luke chapter 17, verse 1. It says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. How many of you know you're going to get offended in church? Listen, the reason that's going to happen, let me tell you, this is very deep and theological because the person next to you is breathing. It's going to happen. He says, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. You understand that's a vision. He's just given them a vision. This is how you do life. Because here's what, what God teaches us is that relationships should not be disposable like a big lighter. A lot of times what happens is when we get offended, we're like, I'm done, and we walk out. Listen, the thing is, is we could be walking out of God's purpose for this church. You could be walking out on things that you haven't done yet that God has brought you to be a part of this church. I tell my church all the time, God's greatest treasure is people. And God gives us the stewardship of people, but then when we disciple them, when we follow through with Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, we equip them to do the work of the ministry. That means that you're here and God has something for you to do. You're here to make this vision come to pass. Are you with me? So he's given them a vision. Listen, it's going to happen. And then he says, he says, take heed for yourself. If your brother sins against you, he says, rebuke him. If he, if he repents, forgive him. Verse 4, if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns, he says to you saying, I repent you shall forgive him. Now, he's just giving them a vision of how to do life with people. And the apostles said to the Lord, interesting, he says, increase 
our faith. Increase our faith. You would have thought that they would have said, uh, Jesus, you got to help me out here because um, I've been alive for a while and, you know, Pete gets on my nerves a lot. And he's like always out there doing these crazy things. And, you know, Jesus, I mean, we're this is, this is Luke, right, the doc. He's like, and John, I mean, look, John calls himself the disciple that you love. I mean, these people, you would have thought, Jesus, help me out. But instead, because they get it, they understand that what Jesus has just given them is a vision. They realize that the just can only see the vision come to pass in their life when they live by faith. And so they say to Jesus, Jesus, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Watch Jesus respond to them. He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and it, and it be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Notice that Jesus is saying, you already got some faith. All you got to do to see the vision come to pass is use the faith that you have. Just start where you are. Start where you are in, your, in the vision that God has given you for your marriage. Start where you are. Say, God, well, I just don't have the faith for our finances. Start where you are. Even if it's just a little bit of faith, Jesus has put it into place. And eventually what happens is we begin to exercise our faith and our faith grows and we begin to see God do even greater things because we believe him. We trust in him. We lean on the faith that he's given us. Right. Let me give you an example of that. Um, several years ago, um, I, uh, I needed to, um, to really get in shape. And so, so I hired a, uh, I hired a, a trainer. And, uh, so I, I, you know, these guys, you know, they kind of, they kind of start you off, you know, with, you know, baby steps, because they don't want to hurt you. And also because they want to keep you as long as they can to get your money. And so he gave me like, you know, this is what you, I mean, he really made me mad. You know, he said, you can't eat this, this, and this. And, and I said, dude, you just took away tortillas and chips. Do you know I'm Hispanic? Can you see me? And, uh, and then he said, these are the exercises that you're going to do. And he said, so I'm going to start you with this. And he gave me two 25-pound dumbbells. And he said, I want you to walk with these around the gym. It was at Planet Fitness. And I want you to do walking lunges. And so I got them. And you know, I said, 25-pound dumbbells? Really? I mean, can you, like, and he goes, just do it. Just walk around it. So I get the dumbbells, and I'm like, what? After about the second time around that bad boy with 25-pound dumbbells, I'm and he made me do that like for three weeks. After about, you know, the end of the third week, I was doing like laps around there. <laughs> what you got for me now? Just dropping now. Come on. And so he says, oh, I'm glad you're doing good. He said, now we're going to do this. We're going to increase that to 50-pound dumbbells. And so I said, there's no problem. You saw what I could do with those 25. So I got the 50s and, you know, took a couple of steps and started shaking again. I said, hey, hold on. I said, these are too heavy. He goes, oh, listen, here's what we're doing is we're pushing your muscles to the limit so that they can, they can tear down so they can grow and become stronger. You see, that's what Jesus was talking about. He said, look, push your faith to the limit so it can grow. You can push it past where you are right now. Believe God for greater things. Where you are right now, believe. when was the last time as, as, a, as a marriage, as a, as a family, as a married couple, as parents, when was the last time that you believed God for big things? I love what Stephen Furtick says. He says, he says, if your faith 
is not audacious. It's a very good possibility that you're insulting your God. Because you're saying, I can do this, God, and I don't need you to do this. If you're here, listen, if you're here and God has financially blessed you, praise God for that. But let me encourage you to do something. Leave your money in the bank and trust God for something supernatural to come. Because the day could come when you don't have that money. And if you've never used that faith muscle, what are you going to do when you get there? You see, Sylvia and I, at 14 years of marriage, I could have given her divorce papers or I could have given her roses. And she would have said, thank you for either one of those. But we push through. And now here's where we are. It doesn't matter what comes our way because we exercise that faith muscle. We can believe God that we will be together till one of us stops breathing. Luminous Church, you got to push your faith. You got to exercise your faith. There was a group of people that had faith to leave everything in Midland, Texas, and to come here. They exercised it. Now it's time to believe for bigger things. Now it's time to push that faith muscle out there. The building that we're in right now, I mean, we were portable for nine years. I remember the day that, that I'm like, okay, enough of this. I'm nine years of setting up and tearing down. I, this is crazy, God. I, don't, I feel like it's time for us to do something different. I went to this storefront where we're at right now, and I looked inside, and, and the floors were the, the floors weren't even, it was just dirt. But I put my hands on that window pane, and I said, God, give us this space. Give us this space, Lord. We need a spot. We need a place to call home, a place where we can disciple people, a place where we can see lives change. So then I talked to the owner, and he said, he said, uh, how much money do you have? And I said, none. And, and he says, how long would it take you to come up with about 400 grand? I said, probably about 400 years. <laughs> That's a lot of faith, right? And I said, I said we go, how, much, uh, how much can you come up with? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, how long would it take you to come up with about... Uh, 350, 400 grand. I said, I, honestly, I said, probably about a year and a half, two years. He said, oh, no, no, no. He said, I need a tenant now. And I said, okay, I guess it's not us. And so I left and I went and told Sylvia. And then I talked to my elders and I said, guys, let's believe God for a miracle. I mean, let's just put our faith out there. And we started believing and I would drive over there and I would just lay hands on that window pane. I said, God, give us this space. And I get a call from the owner, and he says, hey, listen, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to pay 90% of the build-out, 400 grand, if you come up with 200 grand so that you can do your FF&E. And I said, you know what? We can do something. He goes, okay, then just come up with your furnishings. We'll take care of the rest. Come up with your equipment. And I'm like, you know, we were about 150 people at the time. And we're going to believe God for it. And you know what? Within a matter of two months, we had raised 200 grand. Luminous, put your faith out there. Yeah. Believe God for the vision. Do you see, can, can, has God given you a picture beyond? Praise God for this theater, everybody. Yeah. Praise God that you get to set up and tear down. I was telling the first service this morning, there's a, a couple in my church, J.D. and Ronnie Stalter. They came to us when we were setting up and tearing down. They came to us at year five. Ronnie, the wife, she was a bouncer at a nightclub. Somebody invited them to come to church. I remember when she walked in. I mean, she walked in. I was like, I'm a scared of you. And, uh, but, you know, after about three weeks, she gave her life to Jesus. And then she, they started serving. And today, they're leaders in our church. Can I just tell you, if we had never been at James or Rowe Middle School, there would have never been a place for her and J.D. to come to church. 
Who knows how many people are going to come here in your next spot, in your next spot. But you got to get a vision for what God has called you to do, and that is to help people see Jesus clearly. But then believe him for a miracle. Are you with me? So then, then he goes on and he says, he says, and which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat, but he, but, but he will not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterwards you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all these those things, when you are commanded, say, we are, we are uh, un unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Here's what he's saying. What's it? To fulfill the vision. That's your duty, to fulfill the vision. What God has called you to do. He's saying, look, if you have somebody working for you when they're done and they walk into your place of business and you say, hey, listen, glad you did your job. Now come in. I'm going to make you something to eat. <laughs> no, it's like, hey, come in here and finish doing your job. What's left? See, that, that's the faith that God has given you. you got to keep using your faith. Let me say it to you this way. The word works, but you got to work the word. you got to work it. you got to believe it. you got to get out there and trust God and say, Look, Lord, I, I'm going to keep using this faith. I, I want to read something to you from Romans 4. Can, can we go to Romans 4, 17? Do, we, do I have that up there? Romans 4, 17. Did I have that up there? I'll find it here. Somebody let me know if it comes up there. David, you want to come on up here? Everybody okay? Yeah. Somebody checking on the Cowboys score already? So, verse 17, is it up Oh, yeah. That's hard to read, Pastor Jerry. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll read it from here. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is God talking to, about Abraham. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do. Here's the thing. Everything, Luminous Church, listen to me. Everything that you need, God already has. You see, because your Bible says that in, in Colossians that all things were created by him, for all things were created. So everything that you need, it's already there. You see, for us, we needed a Don Grady. That's the owner of the property. We needed a Don Grady who, was, who God was going to use to pay 400 grand for our build-out. Everything that you need, it's already there. Everything that you need for your marriage is already there. Everything for the vision for your marriage, for the vision for your kids. Luminous Church, everything that you need for the vision to see God more clearly, it's already there. All you got to do is two things. You've got to get a vision because the vision does two things for you. It gives you direction and it gives you discipline. And listen, and then you have to be in right standing with God and with the people of this church. Because that's where God, where people dwell in unity, that's where God commands the blessing. And thirdly, you have to live by faith. It's already there. 
You just got to just go for it. Just got to go get it. Amen, everybody? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for Luminous Church. I thank you, Father, for the vision that you gave Pastor Ben and Brandy. Lord, I thank you, Father, for the families that sacrifice to come to be a part of this vision. And for those that are here now that call this place home, I thank you for every single one of them, for every gift that they have, every uh, talent that they have. Father, for those who invest and invite, those who invest their time, their talent, their treasure, and just keep inviting people to come and be a part of this vision. Lord, I thank you, Father, that people will see Jesus clearly and they will come to faith. Pastor, we come in and pray over you. Father, I thank you for this man of God. I thank you, Lord, that, Father, he was chosen by you. I thank you, God, that he was the man, Lord, that you put in his heart the call. And Father, I thank you for people like Pastor Daniel Stevens and Pastor Kevin York, people that men that saw this call on his life and who stand with him and say, yes, this is from God. Lord, I pray, Father, that as, as he puts his hand to the plow, as he keeps going forward, Father, I pray, Lord, that you just keep day after day, day after day, Father, you keep making that vision become a, a reality. And Father, keep bringing people, men and women, Lord, that will stand with this man and say, I believe in the vision. I'm here. We're united. Let's go do this, Pastor Ben. For people like that who will say, people like the ones that are here already, let's do this for Jesus, for his glory, and for his honor. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To find out more about service times, giving, and community groups that meet throughout the week, please visit us online at luminouschurch.org. Thank you for listening to this week's message.